Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects. This is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drawsoff, welcoming you to another really interesting show. Today we'll be interviewing trumpet player, EV player, flugelhorn player, valve trombone player, musician extraordinaire, John Swanick. But before we get to the show, let me give a shout out to the companies that I currently support. I always play wedge trumpet mouthpieces on all my trumpets. The wedge mouthpieces are made by Dave Harrison up in British Columbia. If you'd like to find out more, just go to wedgemouthpiece.com. I also use Getson trumpets for all of my horns. If you want to find out more, just go to getson.com. Okay, for the last few weeks, I've been featuring the electronic valve instrument, or EV for short, and today my featured artist is a solar trumpet player who doubles on EV, Mr. John Swana. If you don't know John Swana, let me say that he spins out lines like Chris Potter does on sax. In fact, Swana has worked with Potter. Now, this program is leaning towards EV usage, so let's hear him work a little bit with this remarkable instrument. This track is one of many YouTube tracks of Swana's. It is titled, This Must Be Thursday, with a band called Three Oranges. Enjoy.
beautiful. That was just beautiful. I have to admit that the EV lead line on that has been running through my head for several days now, and I don't mind. <laughs> As you can tell from the crowd reaction at the end, this was a live recording, and I think the mix is just wonderful, especially for live work. Once again, you can find this on YouTube. Swan is an expert at using the EV, and he has some shorter tracks online demonstrating how well this instrument can function. No, it is not a toy. It is a remarkable double for trumpeters, much like the Ewe, or electronic wind instrument, is for sax players, like it was for Michael Brecker. Here is an excerpt of Swana working with a small group on a piece called Wave of Light by David Bennett Thomas. It's worth noting the otherworldly feel he develops on his soul is something utterly unique and new. Now, the Eevee, as a double for trumpet players, can open up new vistas. With some ingenuity, a trumpet player can actually set himself up or herself up to work a single. In one of my previous programs about this instrument, Don Keegan spoke of how he was able to retrieve a lot of corporate work by setting himself up this way so that he could work alone. Eric Bolvin does a lot of recording with his Eevee as a sort of one-man band when he does soundtracks. I thought this was a very important idea to share here as I see it as an adapt and survive idea that any neophyte musician would want to entertain. Go back and listen to the archives. You can hear how these guys work that. In any case, here's a short piece Swanna did all by himself with just a percussion track. Here is Razel's Ring. Thank you. 
Well, I previously mentioned that the Eevee is not just an expensive toy. If you take the time to really master it, you can do amazing things, and not just ethereal new age stuff. Mark Steiner, the distributor of the uh, new Eevee, built by Johan Berglund of Sweden, informed me that any trumpeter can adjust to it very quickly. If you really want to learn a lot, go to YouTube and look up Darren Barrett. He has some wonderful tutorials and demos of the EVI, including one video on the history of the instrument. But I digress. Swana has some great demos as well, of course. Here he is all by himself playing rhythm changes on his Eevee. Yes, you can play bebop on it. <laughs> Now, this recent series of shows that I've been doing are all about the Eevee, but the Eevee is a double for the trumpet, a MIDI wind controller. Swan is first and foremost a trumpeter. Here is a solo on I Want to Be Happy on Harmon Muted Trumpet with bass and drums. Thank you. 
Well, now that we've heard Swanless playing, let's get right through the interview. Well, folks, we've been listening to the music of uh, John Swana from Philadelphia, uh, trumpet player, uh, EV player, valve trombone player extraordinaire. And uh, uh, John's here with me this morning. John, man, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have you here. Uh, how you doing out there, Philly? I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that uh, how are things going with a pandemic out there with uh, you know teaching and wow, how are you handling all of that? Uh, we have a lot of pro. I teach at Temple in Westchester, and normally University Arts, but they're they don't have anything for me during the pandemic. So I haven't been back there, but I'm at Westchester State University and um, Temple. And they have all, you know, both universities have protocols, you know, and students have the option of not show, you know, not having in-person lessons. And if yeah. they, we have in-person lessons, we're in a big room separated, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, we've got to deal with it. It'll hopefully with the vaccine being out now that it'll, in the, uh, you know, before too long. Uh, right. I'm, I am dying to get out there and play again, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, the, one of the tracks we listened to, the first track we listened to, uh, this, this, uh, series I'm doing right now is about the EV electronic valve instrument. And, uh, I have this, uh, uh track called, um, this must be Thursday by, right. the band, by the band three oranges that we played. And, uh, there was just some amazing musicianship exhibited there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that track? Um, that is a composition by a friend of mine, a great tenor sax player by the name of Sam Greenfield, who did all the compositions in the band, except for maybe the standard that, that you heard. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I don't, not sure the track was it the live it was a live thing it was a live version and i was really impressed with the mix for a live recording kind of smacked a snarky puppy a little bit you know yeah uh, yeah there so, was an audience right sam's kind of influenced by all that he and i think he also plays sam plays with the bass player from wolf Wolfpack. okay which is a band and uh he goes out on the road he was going on the road but sam he's he's just got a lot of energy great player you can find him on instagram and um, it was his composition. So, you know, I, when it was happening, it was fun to play with that group because it was mostly, I think I was the oldest guy in the band, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I used to be the youngest guy. Now, I'm the <laughs> yeah, I remember going down that road and I'd be in rehearsal band somewhere and, you know, a young pup, you know, looking up at the old guys. And then now I'm looking around them. Oh no, I'm the old guy now. It's right. A very strange feeling. Um, yeah. But um, you played the Evie on that. And I think on that particular track, you were playing um, a Niall Steiner Evie, one built by Niall Steiner. Was a, uh, a, I don't know if it was MIDI or the original. The MIDI. It's the Niall style MIDI. It's not the Kroomer, it's the, the MIDI EVI. Okay, okay. Um, uh, one thing I have to know what patch were you using on that? I'm just using with generally when I play live gigs, I used my Evolver. It's a Dave Smith Evolver. It came out maybe 15, 16, 17 years ago. Uh-huh. And it's monophonic synth. So uh, the patches I made on the Evolver myself, oh, okay. I mean, I had lots of time to do it. I didn't necessarily know 
I'm no expert, but I kind of would tweak them until they felt good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, through doing gigs and testing them on gigs, you find even you might like a patch at home, you go on a gig and it doesn't really work. So it was a patch I made. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's one you made. Remember uh, 111. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm just fascinated by all of this. Um, now, I'm, I'm kind of be kind of going around the uh, road here, veering around the road a bit with uh, my questions. One thing I wanted to ask, and this is now, now uh, many of my listeners are music students, uh, people who are thinking about getting into music professionally, uh, or they may be trumpet players or EV players who are uh, looking to expand their abilities as well as their working horizons. One of the questions I wanted to ask was, how do you develop your ideas? Um, if I have a, if a quick uh, uh, tutorial on how do you spin out your ideas, I'm impressed with the way you weave these intricate ideas together and you kind of spin them out. Um, uh, I, I saw in, the, in your bio that you did a lot of transcribing when you first came into this. Uh, how would you uh, elaborate on that? Well, I guess really quickly. So when I was younger, I was attracted to long lines, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and maybe sometimes long lines can be a crutch for me. So I remember when I was coming back on trumpet recently, a couple of years ago, I just kept playing long lines because I knew if I stopped playing with the mouthpiece <laughs> my face, I would like start maybe cracking. So that was, but back to the long line. So I think a lot of it happened for me when I started playing the Eevee in the 80s. Okay. So when I played the EV, I used to make, I had an old uh, computer. I had a Commodore Amiga and I had MIDI on that and I would make sequences on that to play to. So I remember putting like Cherokee in, in 12 keys with a bass line and a hi-hat kick. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I, maybe I'd play a gig at night if I wasn't doing anything and I, I still had energy, which I had a lot more when I was younger. <laughs> I was living with my sister at the time. I would come home and put on headphones and play through Cherokee in, in 12 keys, oh, not man. worrying, not worrying about licks or anything, but I think just playing the EV helps with the long lines, but I was also attracted to long lines. So I would work on, you know, two five ones on trumpet and do that kind of thing pretty regularly. Now I'm not as attracted to wanting to play super long lines. I want to try to break it up more, uh-huh. but, um, you know, and I remember a story, I, I was playing in New York and my mother's friend, Tony, he was a cook. He lived in New York. He came out to hear me. He had heard my first record yeah, and he heard, yeah. heard me play. I was at Birdland and on the break, he comes up to me, he goes, John, why are you playing like this? This isn't how you should play. You're, you play like your record. You're playing too much. You're playing too, it's too busy, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, with it. I would take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, that's a uh, uh, that's it's again it's fascinating. Uh, so basically, oh let me ask you this: uh, Do you um, work on patterns at all? Do you use patterns, or do you work on just trying to navigate, uh, say two five one or blues or? or well, yes, yeah, so patterns. I definitely came up for me. The nature of trumpet and trumpet was never like a supernatural thing for me, so. I needed specific ideas. So I didn't feel like I was BSing. Like I grew up with a friend who actually was improvising first and he got me into it and he could kind of BS is the wrong word, but he seemed like he could kind of 
fluidly go in different directions on the tenor saxophone. Yeah. And at, at first I really couldn't do that because if I wasn't hearing what I was playing, I'd be kind of, you know, you, your tone doesn't sound as good. I needed to be very clear. I, and I yeah. have yeah. my numbers to be clear. So I did work on licks and patterns and phrases. Okay. And, then, and slowly I tried to, you know, make it into a conversation. So I worked on vocabulary. And I think of, you know, jazz and improvising, like a conversation we're having. I've said all these words before. Okay, okay. Talked, you know, how many times have I said every word I've said? But in this context, I'm saying it fresh with you in, okay. in this moment. So that's my approach to playing jazz. Yeah. It's, I, make oh, it makes, makes perfect sense. I guess I'm kind of asking because I've been a, I've been a high note lead player for a long time. And uh, I don't want to be married to that anymore. Uh, I, I want to try to play more bop lines and things of that nature. And so hearing this coming from you is uh, uh, definitely giving some, me some ideas, uh, hopefully for our listeners. Um, uh, John, what prompted you to pick up the electronic valve instrument? How did that become a part of your uh, arsenal? Well, I was, uh, you know, uh, the nature of trumpet for me, like I said, I, I was, I don't, was never really a, natural player i remember i had to do an embouchure change in in high school because i was playing high notes in junior high and they kind of just my chops went out the window and um i always felt like i i I still had more energy to play but i didn't have the chops to play anymore i'd Mm -hmm. be playing and be tired and i i still want to play i saw but my chops couldn't handle playing like hours and hours playing jazz so once i heard i heard about the eevee and i was like and I was always jealous of sax players because they could just keep playing and playing. <laughs> and um, once I heard about the EV, I was like, I want that. Okay. I want yeah. that because I just want to play without getting tired. It was the first, Once I got the EV, it was the first time I experienced being mentally tired and having to stop instead of being physically tired. I was always okay. mentally still there and the trumpet was like going downhill. So the EV for me was a way I could practice and keep playing. That is kind of fascinating. And it's interesting, uh, 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 Jack Kramer, the uh, band leader from Chicago, who is a classical EV player, I, I spoke to when I first started this series, and he spoke openly about the fact that it just uh, gives him the freedom to make his music without having to worry about chops or athleticism at all. And... Um, I was wondering if you think uh, that uh, you know, the Eevee didn't catch on as much as the um, Ewe, uh electronic wind instrument that saxophone players tend to use. Um, and uh, it kind of seemed like it was getting, it was fading. And now it's coming back with the Johan Berglund thing. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, I was wondering if you think that trumpet players tend to be a little bit more uh, egocentric about it and they don't want to uh, embrace something that I don't know, makes it easier to play. I, I think it might be a number of things. Um, I think one, it's harder than the Ewe because uh-huh. the sax, there's a better, there's an easier transition. I think for a sax player to go to Ewe than for a trumpet player to go to an Ewe. Ah. Cause with the Ewe, you got your whole left hand has to do what your lip does. So you have to, it's like learning a new instrument. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it's not easy you know i have some friends i have a friend who's um rich willie who's i think 65 or something and he's learning the ev okay. and uh 
and uh, he's he's doing great. He keeps he practices it every day. He's been getting different kinds of EVs, and um, you know, at first it was like my brain hurts. He was saying, you know, because he's just working on it. But it's it's not an easy it's not an easy uh, transition to go from trumpet to EV. You have to learn it like a new instrument, and okay. I think that's biggest thing and yeah maybe trumpet players are a certain breed you know i have a fax player friend who always tells me when i play gigs with him he goes trumpet players are crazy you know that right you guys are all <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's right <laughs> there's no doubt about it uh it's fascinating though because uh well actually i'm about to join the ranks i have a i've been talking to mark Steiner, and i have a, a new ev uh from Berglund on the way here. Uh, so I'll be able to find out. It was, you know, hearing you talk about it is different from hearing Mark. He was saying, oh, yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world to pick up. And But you're explaining that I guess we only have the lowest uh, fingerings, you know, the the low tritone fingerings. Is Mark a, is Mark a, an EV player or EV player? Uh, he plays uh, EV, electronic valve. He's, oh, he does. Okay, so, well. I think you'll find you'll you'll find out what I'm talking about. The thing is, once you get it down, yeah, then it's easy because okay. I I don't have to. I can wake up. Not that I do this would do this now, but let's say I was hungover and <laughs> whatever, I could wake up feeling horrible, pick up the EV and start playing. Okay, oh. you know, trumpet. You're not going to wake up dehydrated and <laughs> kind of have to work the blood and and yeah. you do instrument even Evie, but it's a it's just you know it's like playing recorder kind of if that okay. kind of okay so that, yes it is easy once you once you get the fingering down i guess that's huh? a learning curve yeah yeah okay okay do you find that the electronic valve instrument once you master it like you said does it allow you to uh spin your ideas out in a more organized fashion easier or is it about the same or harder to spin your ideas out. Um, yeah, if I feel real loose, there's still times when I'll play the EV, I feel kind of not, you know, tighter. But if I feel loose and like really in the zone, it's really nice because I can just follow an idea. That's probably why I played longer lines too, because with the EV, if I was playing a line that went up in the upper register, I could just follow that idea and there's no worry that I'm running out of room. Okay, okay. And it's yeah. the same fingering every octave. <clears throat> so that makes it easy. Uh, okay. I like the one demo that you did where you played a little pattern and you just kept playing the pattern over and over again with your with your right hand and then you rolled past the uh, octave and chordal things on the way up. And it just, it just uh, produces wonderful effect. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back and look at it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I, 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 you know, even when I started playing the EV on jazz gigs, I remember people coming up to me and saying, I remember a specific guy at a jazz club in Philly, he would come up and say, why are you playing this? <laughs> just be playing trumpet. You sound great on trumpet. Just play trumpet. Yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of backlash to it. And, you know, maybe my sound concept wasn't happening also. And some people just aren't open to that, which is fine. Yeah. But I love the EV. I love yeah. it. I mean, well, for a, me, it's so much fun to play. Yeah. Well, you I, know, think, I love uh, it's fun to play too it's just a little more stressful at the moment because i don't feel like i'm playing my best oh okay well i i wonder how that could possibly be but uh it's anyway oh um uh one of the tracks i we listened to earlier in the before i uh, got to the interview here 
was a thing called Rachel's Ring. Um, I think you, uh, I think you're playing a new EV on that. Is that correct? No, that's the old EV. That's the MIDI. The MIDI. So not not new. It's like in between. I think Nile Steiner put that out in the late '90s. Ah, okay, okay. So it's a Steiner still. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm, on that track, you had a little um, uh, backing track that I think you produced, uh, backing you up as you as you played through. Um, now, is that on? Is that on the internet? That's on YouTube. And is that the one where it's sideways? I'm sideways? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. cool. I was just trying to remember what it is. Yeah. Uh, dude, uh, one of the people that fascinated me with the electronic wind controllers, of course, was Michael Brecker. Um, and I heard Michael Brecker down at the uh, Orchestra Hall in Chicago uh, playing um, you know, uh, with a whole bunch of you know heavy hitters, and, you know, Herbie Hancock and everything. And he came out by himself at one point and did this uh like a whole set by himself uh, and he's looping uh tracking and doing all kinds of uh, amazing stuff and then all of a sudden it turned into chameleon and, and the houses came down when, when it turned oh that's funny because i remember seeing at the music fair okay chick, chick Corea uh, uh, for one set and herbie for the next set uh-huh. and michael was with herbie and he did the same. My actually, my favorite stuff from the those concerts were the solo things. When Chick did its solo thing, uh-huh. Herbie did a solo thing, and Michael Brecker did a solo thing. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was pretty. He was Michael. He was the he was the guy. He actually, he my first solo I transcribed on Evie was Michael Brecker's solo from an Eddie Gomez record. Oh, okay. Uh, do you do anything with the uh, uh, loop stations or looping stuff, or is it uh, is it strictly? Yeah, a, you do. Yeah, not not like Michael. I do more like because um, I have friends. I get together. We make electronic music, uh-huh. and there's some of that on the bandcamp. We just get together and we just play. We don't worry about it. So most of my loop my looping is generally more like trying to get something to, to kind of repeat in a way that's more ambient and um, not so specific. Okay. okay. Not like Jocko. I don't know if you ever saw the Jocko thing when he was with Joni Mitchell. Not like that. More like, not a groove thing that keeps going back. It's more like just kind of goes around and it, it, the, the thing is to try to make it so it doesn't almost sound, so it almost doesn't sound like a loop. Okay. Okay. Well, that I, was, I, was, I was fascinated with a little thing that she did with Rachel's ring. I thought that was uh, uh, starting to smack of that. So it's, yeah. it's interesting that you, to hear that you actually do a little bit of looping. Um, where can we hear that stuff? You mentioned Bandcamp. Where can we find your music online? I or, guess if you just look up John Swana at Bandcamp. I mean, that's specific stuff. There's like stuff people can download if they want to. Uh, you know, there's a. I'm going to put up a rhythm change one in a couple in a week or two. Where they can download an etude that I wrote out. You know, I wrote some etudes for giant steps, some exercises for giant steps, and um, for uh, uh, on Sweet Georgia Brown, I did some triad pairs and bird blues. So there, there's that stuff you can download, and then there's some play along stuff, and there's just a little bit of music. Not a lot of music that I do is on Bandcamp. Okay, okay. But some, there's some up there. Okay, so, but I like if I went to Bandcamp. I could download um, these uh, etudes and transcriptions and things for myself. Yeah, if you if you download the whole thing, you'll get the PDF with it. You got to download the whole the whole album. 
Okay. And you don't, it's, uh, you can, people can donate, but it's free too. You can just put zero down the whole thing, get the PDF and get the play alongs. And then there's some um, stuff that pay. There's a record label, electronic record label, uh, Galta that has a couple things on my band camp too, that you have to pay for, but that's on there also. Okay. Okay. So John Swana at Bandcamp. Yes, I think that I, I yes, it's just my name. There's okay. only there's only one other John Swan, and that's my father. <laughs> okay, uh, that's cool. Um, uh, John, one question that I like to ask uh, all of my guests, if you will, is um, uh, especially when you're a teacher. I mean, you mentioned oh. a couple of colleges that you teach uh, at which you teach, so. The question I like to ask is what advice can you offer young musicians about surviving in the 21st century? Um, a lot of, you know, this is like a, a career day a lecture opportunity here. Well, how would you advise people about how they're going to, you know, put food on the table right now? Oh, put food on the table. Well, I, oh, I think <laughs> that's, that's the, the traditional, you know, there's obviously the traditional ways of obviously practice mm -hmm. and try to be ahead of the curve, you know, so you're ready for what music comes at you. So you're hopefully, uh, hopefully you're, you've prepared and played things that are harder than you're going to meet on a gig or, you know, but yeah. also today in today's world, you know, they, they're already ahead of, uh, uh, you know, ahead of what I know. I mean, I think it's technology. Pay attention to technology. I see all the, you know, even when I talk about Sam Greenfield, there's a whole bunch of musicians on Instagram. Okay. Posting things about themselves. There's, there's YouTube channels where there's guys doing tutorials, people play. So there's, a, I think it's get to know the new marketplace for music, which is the internet. Okay. Okay. You know, and get to know how, you know, figure out how you can put your music out there. Because if you love your music and you love what you're doing, there's an audience out there because I'm sure there's somebody else who's going to love it, who's like you and enjoys the same kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it does seem like uh, the internet offers a level playing, a much more level playing field than the old business of making a demo tape and shopping at the record companies and things like that. But right. uh, unfortunately, I think it also allows for a uh, very wide and shallow talent pool in some ways. So, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there that eh, I'm not so sure about. But uh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's uh, we're all wading through this sea of <laughs> over information trying to figure out, you know, but but maybe, you know, the thing is, if you're let's say you're on Instagram and you like somebody and you check them out and you really relate to what they're doing, then you start to connect with other people that are relating to that guy or that guy likes somebody else that you can relate to. And, mm -hmm. and you start to build your community and that can be a positive and a negative. You know, we see that with, we're not getting into politics, but we see that with moon landings, you okay. know, or, moon landing <laughs> people or, or the flat earthers. I mean, you can find your community. Okay. So, if you're yeah. doing the right stuff with music, you're gonna, you, which you like, you'll find your community and you'll find the quality. Yeah. That's the, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this, these are great ideas you're sharing here. Uh, I'm going to listen to one more track uh, this morning. And uh, I think we mentioned that 
we have a track called You Must Believe in Spring. Can you tell me about that track, please? Uh, it's on a Clarence Penn record. Um, I think it's Playpen. Uh, Clarence Penn, Playpen. And um, what I remember about the track was uh, I hadn't really played the tune before. So uh, Clarence Penn is a great drummer. And um, usually at his record dates, he would just call, he came in and said, who has tunes? You know, people would bring their tunes. We kind of go through the tune quick and then record it. So with this tune, I think he brought it in. So we played it once. I remember we, my memory is playing it and not, I felt like I didn't quite, once we played the take, I was like, oh, okay, I got it. I, I understand. I got the vibe of the tune. So I, I was like, can we do one more take? Just... He's like, yeah, cool. So we did another take, and that's the take you'll hear here. Okay. And I was just happy with the flugel sound. I don't have that flugel horn anymore, but um, yeah, it was a, <laughs> the band was great, uh, and I had a lot of fun. Well, let's give a listen to "You Must Believe in Spring," uh, featuring uh, John Swanna on flugel horn. Thank you. 
Well, well, John, man, I can't thank you enough for talking to me this morning. Um, uh, I find this in researching and listening to your music on EV, trumpet, um, valve trombone. Uh, I, I personally am inspired to really work uh, work at uh, uh, distancing myself from being a trumpet athlete and getting back into being a musician. So, John, thanks for talking to me this morning. Oh, my pleasure, Nick. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank John Swana for chatting with me this morning. I found the experience enlightening and inspirational. To find out more about Swana's music, just go to bandcamp.com and do a search on Swana, and you're going to find plenty of material on his work. Also, go to qpress.com, go to shop now and do a search on Swana, get a couple of different terrific books featuring his work. That's qpress. Well, that's it for this installment of Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects. I'm going to continue my series on electronic valve instruments for a few more shows, so stay tuned. Also, if you're studying music as a profession, go to my SoundCloud archives and check out the other shows. There is a lot of collective practical knowledge embedded there and great musicians sharing their experiences with you. Until then, this is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Draza, saying, don't stop the music. Peace.